Money FM 89.3. Best of breakfast. The bigger picture only on Money FM 89.3. Welcome to the bigger picture and with me today is Lance Noble. He is the head of China Reality Research for CLSA who's typically based in Beijing and he's got a reading of the pulse of the markets there very closely watched and of course Everyone's watching China these days for the reopening story as well as the implications for the rest of the economy and markets globally. Lance, welcome to the show. So let's talk about the priorities that you're seeing right now coming through from China. Where is it going to be focused on in the coming year, especially coming out of the MPC where I've got a few messages? Well, this year's government work report puts a big focus on stability and we also see more flexibility in the goals. And the way I would read that is uh, more focused on avoiding the downside risks, less focused on uh, pursuing upside uh, opportunity because there's a lot of language on the challenges uh, the country faces. So, uh, you know, no reason to think they would stimulate uh, beyond the need to get to five or around 5% growth this year. Yeah, so that 5% growth target quite talked about because it kind of undershot expectations. And this is after 3% last year. How achievable is 5%? Well, we still need more detail in terms of how they're going to support consumption, how they're going to support uh, job creation, and how they're going to support the private sector. Of course, we have a new government coming in this year, and the government work report was written by the outgoing team. So uh, it may take uh, a couple more months, maybe even three, four months, before we get a a lot more detail on, on how that's going to work in practice, to be honest. Okay, so let's lay out the landscape. What I look out for in terms of parts that will be pivotal to China's growth story. I imagine domestic consumption is going to be a big factor. Is there enough momentum happening there? Well, as you know, we've seen the near-term benefit to luxury, to travel, to catering, and, and certainly at the high end uh, with the wealthier consumers uh, doing well. Uh, in terms of uh, the uh, middle and, and lower middle class, uh, you know, things not quite as positive. And uh, our data indicates uh, the sustainability of the uh, recovery to spending for that group will be in large part driven by uh, their job security, job creation, and and any uh, salary increases. Yeah, a part of that, I imagine, will come from pent-up savings in the past year or so. And this is also, interestingly, against what you've alluded to, a bit of a sluggish property sector. So that weighs on consumer confidence. So how do you square this off? Where or how sustainable is this going to be? Well, I mean, China's just so big that uh, the reality is very different in different areas. So if you're in Shanghai or Guangdong province or Zhejiang, you know, you have much more of a supply and demand story and uh, more positive things to say about the value of properties and therefore mm. people you know, feeling more secure in, in their wealth and, and their buying power. Uh, other parts of the country, like the Northeast, where the property sector is overbuilt and the uh, drivers of demand going forward are, are much bigger question marks, maybe outside of the provincial capitals. So really are ranging by, by region, but uh, certainly the authorities have made it clear uh, that there's no plans for a uh, big support for the uh, property sector to reinflate it or to have it drive uh, the growth story this year. Uh, why not? Why don't you think they came through more strongly for a property sector? Well, I mean, they put all these efforts into uh, trying to move the growth model away from it. And uh, from the Chinese authorities' perspective, uh, too much money going into that sector potentially takes away capital going into semiconductors, into AI, into quantum, into intelligent manufacturing, all these areas where they see the opportunity to upgrade the economy, uh, in particular as uh, political tensions with the U.S. continue. So is that a signal to take away? Avoid property right now if you're a foreign investor, go into tech. 
Well, what I would say is uh, property developers with a big footprint in Guangdong and Shanghai and Zhejiang and Jiangsu uh, absolutely can still see uh, opportunities and, and then perhaps also in some of the regional uh, provincial capitals, uh, but property developers who are dependent on the Northeast or other parts of the interior of the country, uh, definitely uh, a lot harder to, to see the, the positive growth story. Yeah, coming out of the National People's Congress, I'm just wondering, there is that tone coming through that they are prioritizing certain things, and one of them is independence on technology, and that means ramping up certain sectors, for example, AI possibly, and also there's been some talk about protection of IP rights and also supply chain resilience. How, how will that play out in terms of jobs creation for China? Absolutely. They've been talking about uh, self-sufficiency and moving up value chains and reducing reliance, uh, in particular on the U.S. Uh, and its core allies for, let's say, eight, nine years. And this uh, initiative continues to move forward and more resources continue to go into it. Absolutely. Uh, that will remain a, a clear priority. And uh, any business uh, with a strong story to tell about how they can contribute to that initiative, you know, should be able to find different sources of government funding because that's just so clearly the priority. Uh, the extent to which this works, of course, is a big question. You know, we have this extremely interdependent global economy. The U.S. and China are something like 40 percent of the total global economy and will be interacting with each other in all sorts of ways. And no country, including the U.S., could possibly be self-sufficient in something like semiconductors, mm. which is just so uh, incredibly complex. Yeah, I'd like to touch on that supply chain issue, right? How fast is this migration happening? Because I see in the headlines, the U.S. You know, encouraging companies to set up shop back home and look elsewhere besides China to diversify. Are you seeing a pull out of sorts happening in China? Well, from 2018 to 2021, uh, China's share of U.S. imports of manufactured goods fell by four points, and the key benefit uh, went to Vietnam and then to a lesser extent Thailand and Malaysia. Uh, but at the same time, uh, the value added from China in Vietnamese exports to the U.S. went up a lot. And the Chinese value add in China's imports from Vietnam and Thailand and, and Malaysia as well, I believe, also went up. So uh, things rearrange, but uh, China is still very important to the supply chains. Absolutely, we see migration continuing. Uh, the European Chamber of Commerce in, in Vietnam uh, in January just reported 41% of members have moved or are moving some of their production from China to the country. That story is ongoing. Uh, but as you know, supply chain migration out of China, that's that's been going on for 15 years, you know, in the past in, in things like uh, textiles and, and shoes uh, and now uh, in, in areas further up the value chain as well. All right. We are in conversation with Lance Noble. He is the head of China Reality Research for CLSA. Lance, let's switch tracks to the tech sector right now. Now, in the West, we've seen layoffs, headlines around layoffs. And China, how is it looking? Is there a change in tone of favor, perhaps, after years of uh, crackdowns? The uh, only statement in the government work report on the uh, internet platforms is basically the same. So supporting their healthy development. And my take would be they want to see them do more to support the operations of SME manufacturers with services and things like that. They don't want them to just focus on, you know, selling vegetables and, and apples and, you know, plastic toys and that sort of thing. Uh, you know, Google and Amazon are helping to create the technologies of the future. And China wants to see its tech platforms do the same. Uh, and absolutely, uh, there will be more guidance to that effect. But in terms of the limited comments on the sector, I would say minimal news is good news mm -hmm. in terms of the uh, low likelihood that there'll be 
big regulatory moves in particular because the focus is now on employment and supporting growth. Yeah, I remember last year we were just wondering what's next, who's next when it comes to the crackdown. Now let's talk about something else, which is travel. I think a lot of people are excited this year, especially to get back out there. How is it looking like in China? Is there going to be a huge pent-up demand that will spill over to the regional economies? Well, we just collected some data on this and 21% of our panel is 1,600 consumers do plan to travel internationally this year with Southeast Asia, the leading destination, Europe and Japan following. However, uh, I expect and our data indicates it'll likely take until 2025 to get back to 2019 levels. Uh, the lead uh, body in China that does research in this area thinks that this year it'll reach 31, 32% of 2019 levels. Although I do think there'll be you know, definitely big uh, incremental moves uh, around the May holiday. Okay, 2025 before it gets back to 2019 levels. So some ways to go. We've been chatting with Lance Noble. He's the head of China Reality Research for CLSA, helping us to paint the landscape for what's happening in China this year and onwards. Thank you so much for your time today, Lance. Thank you, Ryan. It's been a pleasure. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.